Hi, welcome to the Holy Fuck Podcast. I'm your host, Alexandra Roxo, author of Fuck Like a Goddess, creator of Radical Awakenings, transformational coach, and student of life. I'm here to stand with you asking questions about what is sacred and what is profane and the space between. Enjoy. Today's podcast is juicy. I mean juicy. I think I got off the podcast and I was like, whew, that was a lot. That was deep. That was two women coming together, stirring the pot, opening the heart. And today's podcast is with Madeline Moon. You may follow her online. You may have seen her amazing comedy, polarity reels on Instagram. Uh, this one's deep and juicy, okay? So let me know how it settles into your system and enjoy. I am very excited to be here today with Madeline Moon, who you may or may not know. Hopefully you know. I imagine you've seen her amazing comedy, deep, juicy, hilarious reels on social media, and maybe maybe seen her recent book, Artist of Love, which I'm really excited to speak with you about today. Welcome, Madeline Moon. Thank you so much for having me. It's like, it's so sweet to be here with you. I remember doing my podcast years ago in Brooklyn. You were on mine, and it feels like yeah, that feels so long ago. And it's just yeah. sweet how our paths have been able to overlap with each other. So it's a pleasure totally. to be here. Totally. That was really sweet. And it was really sweet how, um, yeah, I felt your devotional, like, seeker's heart were back when we met. Like, and it, mm-hmm. like you, there was such a purity in your heart of just, like, I'm on my path and I'm curious and I'm learning. And, um, and it's been so lovely to follow your journey as much as I, I mean, I wish that I have followed it by like sitting and chatting with you more. I do remember like we had dinner in Venice and I was going through something. I remember just being kind of in one of those moments where I was like kind of crunchy. It probably had to do with a guy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember leaving the dinner and being like, oh, I wasn't as open in my heart as I could have been in that moment. I felt Oh, you know what? I think it was right after I met Eli and I was really freaking out. I was like going through this moment of like, <gasps> I don't know how much to share. I don't know how to be. I don't know how to talk about this. And that was really frightening. Mm. And I, I just, you know, I think I was cagey with some people because I was just like, I want to be just like so over spilly, but I'm like trying to learn how to be a grown woman and like <laughs> mm. <laughs> kind of hold myself in a different way. Where when with other people, other partners prior, I would just kind of spell. Ah! <laughs> so <laughs> that's what was happening the last time I saw you in person, which was, you know, nearly three years ago. That's so interesting because I've had, I had that sort of relationship dynamic. I, I haven't kept up with you and Eli's journey, but at the beginning of one of my relationships, I had the same exact thing. Like, Prior to that, I'd been like, oh my God, I'm dating this guy. And this is what our first night having sex was like. And like, da, 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 da. And like telling all the things to all the people who would listen. And I was just like radiating my full Radha heart. Just like, let me share all the things with everybody. And I too had to go through a bit of a, a relationship dynamic where it, the tone of the beginning was privacy. And that for me was like almost like wearing a straight jacket of like, this is not normal. Like for my system, like... I want to talk about all the things. And that's also how 
my posts used to be. I would talk about every detail of my life and just like my life was the teaching. And that was a really cool experience to actually learn what it's like to take me out of being the focal point of my posts and my experiences. And then all that I learned from the act of having more privacy around a partnership. So it was really cool to like learn how to be me without having a certain action that I'm just, you know, also used to doing. So I deeply understand that like tender time of learning how to be open while like maybe not viscerally speaking all of the openness things. Totally. Yeah. I think my therapist said it to me. She's like, you're open is too open. So your closed <laughs> is actually a healthy boundary to open. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah. um, do you, is Maddie done? Is it just Madeline? Or, okay. Yeah. Madeline, okay. Maddie's Got like it. now it's still my URL. It's like maddiemoon.com, but I just tell everyone it's Madeline. Okay. I was here speaking with Madeline. Um, Madeline. And um, we were just kind of talking about our paths and how they interwove and how they were different. And I don't, you know, I kind of want to just start, I guess, with more of like where you are now. And what I've experienced with you is like bringing comedy and acting and expression into the space of uh, relationship and uh, sexual polarity or relational polarity. And I'm just so curious. When I met you, I think you, well, you were doing your podcast and you were, you told me you had been a personal trainer or something like that or like something like, yeah, you, you, there was a journey. And I'm so curious. Body Tell building. us a little bit. Yeah. Bodybuilder. Oh my God. Tell us a little bit about this journey from bodybuilder to teacher, actress, comedian, author. Well, thanks for asking. I love sharing the, the full picture journey. It's been a while since I talked about the bodybuilding days. Um, yeah, so I was, for a little context, I was raised in a family that was hyper Christian. We're talking Baptist, um, you know, all women that? slash. Dallas, Texas. Dallas, alright. Yeah, and I was raised with this kind of mentality that like little girls are like like Jezebels in training, <laughs> kind of like we're all good. We're just inherently kind of the reason why men uh, they they falter. It's because of a beautiful woman, and like it's your responsibility to be covered and don't cause a man to sin wait till marriage because if you don't then no one will want to buy the cow because the milk was free like just all those messages and <laughs> because I know it's, it's it's funny it's funny now um also and it was also like deeply traumatic. it was deeply traumatic there was there's so much emotional spiritual mental abuse um and, and now looking back it's plain as day but at then I was like oh this is what love is like you know and this is how I relate to my body and I became so judgmental over everything about woman. Like woman was bad. Woman was the temptress, like sinful and icky. I even like thought that women's bodies and everything about a woman was just gross. Mm. So I disassociated from that connection. And I was like, what's the best way for me to not feel like, like I hate myself for being a woman. And I got into bodybuilding and before that lots of eating disorders and obsession with like just losing every every ounce of curvature and whether that was because 
I was trying to, I mean, it's twofold. It's like on one hand, I was really trying to um, control, like as long as I just lose, as long as I'm working towards a very rigid goal and I'm restricting myself, I feel safe. But also Mm. I'll maybe feel a little less if I'm more on the pain spectrum than I am on the pleasure spectrum. Like something Mm. about that felt like Mm. that was where I needed to be. Mm. And it's like I got into in a way, right? It's like totally when you have a space to like sort of self-punish or whatever, some of the I think emotions can purge out through that pain. Totally, like the gritting of the teeth and like the lifting of the weight and seeing that my number like go down on the scale. I was just like, like just like I felt like some kind of weird warrior. And that made me feel good. So as long as I was on that path, I was safe. Which ironically, though, like I also wanted to be over-sexualized. Because when I got into bodybuilding, I'm wearing this like teeny tiny little sparkly suit. And I've got nine spray tan coats on. And I'm literally very close to naked on a stage. This was in Texas. This was actually when I was in school in Austin. So I'm like living back in the city where that all happened. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that phase was kind of big. It was, it was a few years and it was very deep. And eventually I remember when I was 22, I had this moment where I was just so, I just hated myself so much. I was like eating my post-competition quote cheat food. And it was a pumpkin part pop tart pumpkin pop tart oh it was like so gross. but i know but for me in the moment i was like oh my god i get to eat pumpkin pop tart i was like so excited and i <laughs> ate it and i was crying and i was like hating myself cuz like i had this internal battle between do i let myself eat, eat this pop tart like what's going to happen if i enjoy it yeah. or if i gain weight from this one pop tart and in that moment i had this really big like like I can't do this anymore. I, I mm-hmm. I'm 22. I'm hot. I'm young. I need to go live my life. It was a very profound moment of perspective of the age that I was, and like this is like I'm young. This is the youngest I'll ever be, and and like I need to go live it up. So what did I do? I I moved to the mountains where I knew nobody. And I, I, I didn't know a single person. I left all my belongings. I moved to uh, Longmont, which you're familiar with in Colorado. And like, didn't have a gym membership. Uh Uh-huh. Didn't have a gym membership. I like stripped all of these mechanisms I was using. And that was when I started my podcast all the way back then. I was like, I want to be more curious than I am like rigid. And, Mm. uh, you know, so I started that. Wow. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to keep interrupting you just because I love, I love kind of asking little questions along the way um, to sort of call everybody in just because there's also things that I'm always curious about. I'm like, wait, yes, tell me more. So when you, uh, when you have the, we're going to call it the pumpkin pop tart moment, the pumpkin (laughs) pop tart moment of awakening. You were like, my life needs to change. I'm I'm starting a podcast. Um, 
And, you know, what's the loose version of from that to where you are now, uh, from that mm-hmm. woman who was had the courage and the audacity to make a change? Also, it sounds like to leave home and to leave some of that indoctrination behind, which sometimes it does take a physical move, you know, to leave a community, to leave a group of friends, to leave a lifestyle, to leave a religion, whatever it is. Sometimes it does take a physical move to to say I'm ready to become an, a new person. Um, mm-hmm. And so and I'm also curious, like when you were making those changes, that kind of outfit change of the soul incarnate as, as Madeline, how did you get through it? Like what, what did, what brought you the courage? What held you mm-hmm. in the moments that were really scary? Mm, that's a great question. Well, um, the loose version of that that shift, I went on this really natural, feels to me natural, it might not from the outside perspective, but this natural evolution of like, boom, 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 and everything kept leading me one thing to the next, like, all right, I'm in Colorado, but now I'm going to go live in Asia for a bit. And now I'm going to be like a traveling acrobat. And now I'm going to like get into acting and like, I okay, just so had all these little got into acting. <laughs> I got into acting after I found polarity, actually. So when I discovered feminine, masculine, intimacy, polarity, I just, and this is going to tie into the second question you asked of what kept me going. I started to realize in the land of polarity, how I have always been a very expressive soul and through my childhood programming and through the bodybuilding and through not knowing how to relate to men, just like this really kinked up system of like, can I flirt? Can I not? One of my most traumatic experiences was a first kiss because of my mom, actually not because of the guy, just like slut, whore, all this stuff. And so just like not knowing how to express intrigue and love, my expression was so bottled up. Like I would talk really Mm. quiet and like, I wouldn't show you how I felt. And I was just really quiet. Um, and so when I found polarity, it opened this whole door of like the feminine is expressions. She's energy. She's a river, then a thunderstorm. And like, I got to train and practice my capacity. I want to stop. I want to interrupt you here. I want you to tell us your definition of polarity because we have talked about it a few times on this podcast, but not that much. And I don't like to assume that anyone understands a particular world or domain of experience. Um, so I, if you're listening now and you're like, either you have tons of ideas and judgments rising, or you know exactly what Madeline's talking about because you follow her, or you're just like, I have no idea at all. I just want to, I want to hold all of the people, all the different potential Mm -hmm. uh, listeners in our community as to like, what do you, what are you defining right now as masculine Mm -hmm. and feminine and as what polarity is and means to you? And then Mm -hmm. we'll keep on the journey. (laughs) Okay, great. So here's the distinction I'm going to make. There is polarity that is the universal natural laws of nature. Mm -hmm. And that is the opposition all around, pure, untainted by human hands. It's the sun and the moon. It's up and down, in and out. It's the stars and the universe and the galaxies um, it's left hand and right hand. Like it's anything that there's opposition and a yin and a yang. It's opposite, but it's equal and complete. We see this all around us, birth and death. 
So there's that. It's like there's polarity. You're listening. I'm talking. There's the opposition there. Then there is what I like to call now polarity, the brand, <laughs> because it's now a, like a brand and everyone is contributing to the pot. All sorts of people have their perspectives of what this brand is, but the brand that we're seeing from many different bodies of work that you know started around feminine and masculine. And so when we're looking at the feminine and masculine embodiment, aka polarity, we're looking at two different bodies that are each fully embracing one end of the spectrum and releasing the other end. Which means if we're looking at feminine masculine, one person is embracing that masculine pole, which is depth, presence, consciousness, groundedness. So this person with their body and their breath embodies all those things. They're standing still. They're holding eye contact. They're like embodying the peace holder, like tree. And then the full on opposite end of the spectrum is she who is holding the feminine. She's expressive. She's moving. She might be holding eye contact, but she might just be like so in her body that she's perhaps all over the place, but her body is full of energy and she's showing that movement through her spine. So we have a grounded person. We have an energetic person. Polarity, the point of it is to create sexual friction and chemistry because the big cosmic joke of relationship is that in order for a relationship to thrive long-term, we need sameness. Mm. For example, we both want to live in the same place. We both want to have a kid. We both go to bed at 9.30. Like there needs to be some similarity in order for it to be sustainable. But the more sameness you have, a lot of times the less like sexual friction and chemistry because you're just doing everything together. There's no mystery. So polarity comes in to create that sexual friction through the breath, through the body, through the eye contact, through the like movement, through one person fully embracing this pole and the other one fully embracing that pole. And this, that's like the purest version that I, I can explain with it. And there's, yeah, we'll leave it there. I want to, I want to make one distinction that, that I didn't hear. It's like, do you define it as a spiritual practice, a personal growth system, um, an ideology, a lineage? What do you define it as? Because I think it's interesting, you know, it's interesting to look at so many concepts, ideas, practices, schools, lineages, and kind of, um, how they change over time and become all these different things. It's just like yoga. It's like if you were to be like, I practice yoga, we would, I'd mm-hmm. be like, cool, like what kind of yoga? Who'd you learn it from? What does that look like on your day-to-day? So it's interesting because I think the I, I consider it a practice, but the practice of polarity has become sort of like that in terms of within the small bubble, you guys. I mean, still, I'm sure the people that were at the church you grew up with, they have no idea what the F we're talking about. But within the sort of conscious and greater spiritual community, within the personal growth and development world, it may be something that people are are hearing of. So how do you define it? Mm-hmm. Not in the definition you just gave us, but in terms of the it's right. sort of context. I, re- I relate to it as a spiritual practice as well as a personal development practice. I think ideology would work as well, but I wouldn't call it a lineage because no one's being initiated. Mm -hmm. This is a, I would consider it more of a body of work 
that okay. people are, you know, either hopping onto and regurgitating, like they're hearing, they're, you know, I see it all the time with polarity, like reading a David Data book, highlighting it, and then saying the exact same thing on their own social media feed without really innovating from it. And I think that the body of work is like, it, 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 it's a spectrum. A lot of people are kind of going into the same one thing, but there are a few people that are pulling it apart and saying, yeah, polarity, I love these parts, but I don't love these parts and innovating from it. I'm really big on innovation with it, but it's a spiritual practice that leads into changing so much about you. Like as a personal development, my capacity to feel emotions through it being a spiritual practice has changed how I experience emotions in my entire life as a yeah. woman of how I'm yeah. able to relate to my friends, my work, my business, grief. Mm. Yeah. And so you mentioned that there are like several sort of um, schools of thought that contribute to this practice, mm-hmm. um, this practice or, you know, body of greater work. To be very frank, I'm thinking of myself. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't actually know that many people are who are like really trying to solidify a different or point out the nuances, right? Okay. Like that's become my main um, desire is to point out the nuances from that mainstream versus what else is possible and start, okay. start this. Okay. But I was just curious because I'm like, maybe there are other people that are teaching that kind of work that are kind of older, old, old school. They'd need to be in their sixties or seventies probably. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know who they are. There's the Tantra world and their Neo Tantra world, but that's not quite what we're talking about. Um, so, you know, I'm not, this isn't a person, but and I want to be very clear that, like, I'm not the only person innovating off of polarity, just to make that no, very clear. No, no. I'm just studying my, I'm cursed. So many, yeah. so many. Yeah. But what comes to mind, you know, what, what, I, what I was leaning on a lot last year to help me, because 2022 for me was a major year of unpacking polarity dogma, because mm. I went through it. I had one of the deepest initiations of a relationship that was based on polarity as a foundation rather Mm -hmm. than union as a foundation. So I got to experience like what happens when that happens and how deeply like restricting it can be for a woman. But during that period of deconstructing where I was pulling everything apart, I had to sit and go, okay, what, what body of work or even lineage feels like the essence of this, but older pure and like has a deep reverence for the the feminine and what I really leaned on was the Mahavidyas from the classical Mm -hmm. tantric lineage and the Mm -hmm. 10 the 10 Mahavidyas of all the different faces of Shakti and I could by relating to that and I'm not really in a place to go in and speak about this particular lineage for people who are not familiar with it but I'm just going to say Mahavidyas incredible incredible lineage of different faces of shakti from classical indian tantra and by like really communing with these particular deities like kali is one of them um tara is one of them but learning how they embody the masculine as the faces of shakti like they are it's the mahavi like they are the masculine and they are Mm. the feminine and i was really Mm. needing to source and look at what are the untouched, like universal, like law of, 
of where are the untouched universal laws of polarity that are existing in bodies of work that are really old. And the Maha videos give you this beautiful example of these deities and these goddesses that hold the pose and hold the fort down. And they are actually the leaders. Not to say that we need to look for examples of how women are leading above men, but it sure does help when you're going through a dogmatic crisis to lean on who are the women, who are the deities, who are the goddesses that the men are looking to, to say, show me the way and giving reverence and leaving those rose petals at her feet because she holds Mm. the wisdom. And that Mm. served me deeply Mm. to really go into those, that body of work. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I know, you know, I've mentioned her on on the podcast. I need to get her on here, but I know Sally Kempton's book, Awakening Shakti. Yeah. the Kashmiri yeah. Shaivist um, lineage of Tantra, which is, is less of a an embodied, two-body, masculine-feminine practicing kind of uh, mm-hmm. lineage or tradition. It's more internal. You're more working with the energies internally. What happened for you when mm. you started to feel a reckoning coming forward. And I imagine at that point, you had already been kind of publicly tooting the horn of this thing that you loved. And then how did, how did the shift begin and where are you now? Oh, yeah. So I've, I've been in the space of polarity, I guess, since I was 26. I'm 31 now. So I was learning from one specific teacher, but I was like, yeah, that's pretty much it. I was learning from one specific teacher, but very deeply going to all the workshops, being an assistant, doing all the things. And um, you, I'm going to tie this all together. So I'm going to just yeah. little like note here. But when I was in New York, after doing polarity, um, I was like, wow, I can feel emotions. I'm going to start acting. And I started to, to acting like I was having the time of my life. It's like, this is so much fun being on a screen and like I'm learning how to like write screenplays and act on camera and did very small things. But that was enough of experience for me to combine and create what's now my body of work, which is a combination, a hybrid of uh, relationship dynamics with using acting and improv and monologues, like as the way to to have relationship um, practice, spiritual practice, using acting as a spiritual practice. And I started to you know, in this particular, like in the year that I was in the heavily like polarity based relationship, I was making these comedic skits of how to be creative in your love life. And I have a program called Creativity and Love. Like how can you be creative and expressive and use acting modalities in your partnership to create polarity? So it's all kind of coming full circle of when you learn expression and acting and you get to practice these different hidden archetypes within you in your spiritual practice, how do you then take that into your relationship and surprise your beloved? And instead of getting triggered, you bring the shock factor and you surprise them with something that you learned in an acting class, like just to bring a new flavor. And I started to realize like through my year of doing this that I started to use this creative expression in my relationship as a fawning technique. Mm. And I didn't see it. I was actually being creative in love for a bit because I couldn't be blunt in love. Mm. I couldn't just ask for what I needed. 
And this goes into the polarity dogma of I needed to be and behave a particular kind of way as a feminine being. That was my role in the partnership mm-hmm. to like, you know, greet my partner at the door in a certain way or to reveal the truth of my heart in a very specific way to ask for what I desired in a very specific way. And that way normally needed to be creative mm-hmm. because I couldn't just ask because asking meant that some kind of like, if I asked for what I wanted and he didn't like it, then it meant that I actually had a complaint underneath the desire. And I was not aware of the complaint, but he was, and like, I was just a child who couldn't see it. And like all this psychological confusing shit. And so to bypass all of that, instead of just speaking my desires or even speaking a complaint, I'd have to be creative. And, you know, this was what really rocked my world last year because I believed in being creative in love so deeply. And I've had thousands of people tell me it deepened their relationship. It brought so much more love and play and like how much it helped them. And I was like, wow, interesting for me to face this very deep fact that I created something that was kind of out of a trauma response that happens to be a beautiful body of work that I don't take back. And I'm going to practice it in every relationship to come. I practice it myself. I I still stand by it. I stand. Thank you. I stand by it. I love it. And it's just so interesting how it had to come forward. And I didn't see it when it was happening, but I did see it in the aftermath. And I still had programs to complete. I had people to like teach this work. And as I was holding in one hand, the deconstruction of what in the world, oh my God, I did this to stay safe and to not have trauma. And that the other, in the other hand, to keep having to, to like teach it to the people who are coming to me and paying me for it and to hold both of those was a really painful process last year. And ultimately it's made, it's brought me so much clarity around pulling out those pieces. I stand by this. Maybe this is going to go. I love this. I'm just being radically honest with myself. <laughs> like yeah. that's been so deep. Hi, everybody. Quick little interlude here. So I wanted to tell you what my favorite things are to put in my morning smoothies or morning coffee, chai, mate, cacao, depending on my mood. So I've been using uh, this incredible rose powder from Anima Mundi, which I love connecting to the spirit of the rose. There is this beautiful, deep powerful feminine essence that I feel in the spirit of the rose and so putting it actually ingesting it feels so incredible so that I can become um, less human and more rose that's part of one of my life goals (laughs) Um, but I also use uh, from Anima Mundi herbals their happiness tincture and the energy tincture which have lots of good things and they actually taste good which is very important to me And they also have just come up with some incredible rose body oils and face oils. And there's a rose face mask, which is beautiful and gorgeous. So I just highly recommend anything that comes from a really ethically sourced place, a female owner. They have incredible information on their website and their newsletter that helps you create ritual with the products, which I think is just super helpful and really beautiful. And the vibe is on point. And that's what's so important to me as I am a consumer in this world today. It's, it's, is this product in integrity? Can I feel uh, the heart of it? And I really can with Anima Mundi. So 
If you want to try any of their products, use the discount code Alexandra15 and let me know what you think. All right, you guys, back to the podcast. I mean, it's just such a beautiful journey for every artist to go through this. And we'll probably keep going through these types of, not to make your story, you know, less important, but it's like the thing, the wound that pushes us into this gorgeous creation that we don't quite Mm -hmm. understand while it's happening because it's not in our consciousness yet, right? It's like tucked in the back and then... When it comes forward, it's like there's that mix of like, oh, my God, how did I see this? But then also it's speaking to people because there are others like me, you know, that this is it's just there's such magic when we even create from the pain. And then it's also beautiful Mm -hmm. to create from a place where we're in full understanding of our wounding or our patterns. Right. Like Mm -hmm. that's an also an incredible place to write from or to speak from, but I do think that it is so courageous to just have created and to be Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I have fucking blind spots. Like I went back and was with a client and I was like showing her my Instagram from 2020. And I was like, look at that. Look at this blind spot. Look Mm -hmm. at my wound is on sale. (laughs) You know, like I'm broadcasting my insecurities Mm -hmm. here, whatever. And, And I don't regret any of that either in my journey. I'm like, that was my journey. And I was courageous enough to share it with others instead of just kind of hold it in my suitcase, you know, behind the scenes. So I commend you for for getting out there and sharing and also for for being successful even with that level of tender wound present. Mm. Like this is life, yeah. you know? What is that pivot looking like and feeling like? Mm. Or is it a pivot? Or well, is it, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's definitely that. I mean, last year, like on top of like the two things I was holding, I was also in the process of writing this book. Um, so, you know, even though I had those experiences where I like had the, whoa, I can't believe I was creating from this, from this wound. And why did I call it? And like, I, I can see the whole picture, but last year I had committed to writing a book and it was a massive blessing as hard as it was to have deadlines at the same time when I'm like grieving, but I got to rewrite like w- what the truth is of creativity and love for me. I got to really put pen to paper of, I wrote the first draft actually while I was still in relationship. And then when we broke up, my editor was like, I want you to rewrite this entire thing. You need so much more structure. Mm. So then I had written it in relationship and then I had the chance to completely rewrite it during the grief process as I was unpacking Mm. what is creativity and love? How do I bring, how can I let, how can I teach women how to bring art into the relationships in a way that's not fawning and Mm. is bold. And you can also claim your complaint and your desire and your freely liberated woman. So I had this process of rewriting everything, literally, so that I could put together Artist of Love and talk about these nuances of the importance of also knowing like creativity and as a way to, you know, display the truth of your heart or make a request. It's on it's one thing you can do out of the many things, like asking. You know, like just asking or speaking your truth that's right there up with being creative in love. So when I wrote this book, I felt very clear in my system that 
moving forward, I don't know for sure how it's going to look, but I feel that I'm making a pivot out of relationship being the focus. Mm-hmm. Like I, I did it. I did the thing. I wrote the book. I made this body of work out of like a little bit of trauma, but like ultimately it's a beautiful body of work. That I exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, and it's now something that I just want to practice and I want to like move more into the, the improv and the play piece and the full expressive woman. Like that's what lights me up. Even my program that I, I did mention before, the last time I ran it, I barely talked about relationships, even though it's called creativity and love. I was like, we're going to just like make it creative creativity in life. And the whole program was really about liberating women's expression. And I feel like Mm. that is starting to become more and more of my focus. And yes, relationship will come in. But one of the profound thoughts I had within the last couple of months was that we teach what we need to know, right? And I've been teaching relationship for many, many years. And I no longer want to call in karmic lessons Mm. to like, know it like if we teach what we need to know I'm kind of like I don't want to know any more big things for a while so Mm. I'm pivoting and I'm teaching less about relationship because I'm, I'm really clear that now more than ever I'm taking relationships seriously I'm not fucking around and like I'm calling in my deepest beloved who's gonna treat me so beautifully and for me it feels right in my system to not teach about it anymore like because I just want the the real thing in my life yeah. rather than just teaching it does that make sense like yeah. makes sense in my oh, mind totally but when I talk about it I'm like it makes sense and I I see that as a maturing for you as a teacher mm-hmm. too because mm-hmm. I do think it's like and I don't mean this with any any judgment you know because I I've I've done it too but I think there's that place where we teach what we want to know or experience and there's so much passion and energy there because there is just – there is charge, you know? There's desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be so much more flashy and bubbly because we're so close to that that flame of desire. But the truth is like we're babies in it, you know? We're mm-hmm. babies. And then there's a point where it's like, oh, I don't necessarily – like this tender desire that I have – I want to go through my own journey with it. And like when I'm wise woman around it, I'll have more to say. But let me let me teach you about the thing that I've been doing for a while really well. And like that's what I see you doing. You're like, I've been doing this really fucking well. I've been expressing <laughs> my heart and being creative and that's what I'm going to support you in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot of integrity in that. And I'm not saying that, you know, for me or for you – to, to teach a relationship thing or course or whatever is out of integrity. But I mean, there are women out there who've been married for 12 years, been practicing it. And I'm like, you know, there's a different flavor to that type of wisdom. Neither is right or wrong or good or bad. Um, there's just, there feels like there's a maturing of you holding this gift that you have and that's like fully developed mm-hmm. and that you mm-hmm. can really um, share with other women. Thank you. I, you just said it so perfectly. I agree with all of that. Like even towards the end of my coaching women last year, I started like, I was still teaching them about relationship, but I often was like, 
I'm actually going to hook you up with my therapist, my couples therapist, because he is amazing. And like, I would just send people, like, I would just lean a little bit more towards like, let's get into your creative body. Let's get into your animal body. And it's the thing that's so easy for me that I have felt like there's no way I can teach that because it's just, it's just so easy. And now I'm having this connection of like, actually, that is the most fun and easy thing for me to teach. Why am I not doing that? Why am I teaching this thing that's like, actually really quite hard for me? I can connect dots in a lot. (laughs) Like I can connect dots in my mind around dating. And I know all the things about polarity. So I can speak it. You know, and I can, yeah. I can answer people's questions really well, but I want to teach what I'm embodied in. And this last partnership I was in rocked my world. I'm just like a baby, like starting from square one of like, what do I, what is like, how, like how to create lasting love that stays. And until I really feel that I'm, I'm doing that, like in a committed partnership for years, I just feel like I'm going to teach the thing that I, I, it's easy for me. And then I love to do yeah, which is the expression. And, and it seems like following your heart and taking risks and living a courageous life, like none of that is like needs to go kind of unseen because a lot of people are mm-hmm. sitting at home having trouble getting out and doing what they're dreaming to do. And so mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting how, like, I like what you said. It's like the thing that is comes the most easy. Mm-hmm. That it's like, wait a minute, I could help people with that? Is that mm-hmm. enough? Right? Like, is that mm-hmm. enough? And I feel like that too. There, there are moments where I can support around relationship, but I'm very clear. I'm like, you're talking to me. I have not been married yet. Um, mm-hmm. I've been in practice with this particular partner for the last two and a half years, but just know I can speak to you about being in different types of relationships, da, 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 da. but in terms of a certain, there's areas that I just haven't gone. So please know that if you're asking me for support, that you're asking me for a very particular gaze. And yeah, then mm. ask ask an elder, please go speak to an elder as well. Um, let's let's just touch a little bit about your your growth in your business and you know topic of what you're teaching aside. Um, I think I heard through a mutual friend that you bought a house. Congratulations. Yeah. That's really epic. And I think, you know, a lot of women out there are probably like, well, I would love to be a homeowner at some point in my life. I'd love to believe that I can create abundance in a way that feels good and an integrity um, and is nourishing to my system. And I'd love to just hear a little bit about that and like kind of what you would say to the woman out there who Mm. are the women out there who are longing to kind of create that stability for themselves. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Well, I bought my house because another woman bought a house And I didn't even know it was possible. Like I didn't even make that connection in my mind that I could buy a house. It just was one of those weird pieces that was lingering of like, that's the thing that the man does or that you do together when you get married one day. Like I just didn't consider that. And my friend, uh, I 
synced up with her in Kauai. We were going out for hike and she was like, I just had a great launch for my program. And I just saw a property in Austin I wanted to buy and I'm going to just make it an investment. She actually lives here now, but at the time it was just going to be an investment. And I was like, you're saying that so casually, like you bought a house. She was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay. And I just got it in my mind of what would that be like if I owned something? And it was interesting because at this time, um, you know, I, I, the one of the last things that broke my former partner and myself up was around a house. It was around the purchasing of a house and it, and like I wanted to go in on buying some of it. And that meant that our finances would be intertwined and all of our shit blew up. And in the end we broke up and he had the house and I had this wound coming up around like, Oh man, like, you know, how, why did I create this ultimately? Like the heart of the question and mm. why do I end up in the situation where I'm looking to this partner or this person like, hey, let's buy a house. You buy the house. Put me in it. Like, let's live together mm. and kind of projecting. Of course, that desire is pure and beautiful. And I still have that desire. Yes, I have a house. And yes, I still want like that provisionship one day with a beloved that's not going away. And my curiosity was what is my resistance to me doing it if I want it now, like as I call that in. And in that breakup, I just had, you know, all my shit come up around like you get the house and I don't, I'm back in my one bedroom, West Hollywood apartment with loud neighbors. And like, I hate you. (laughs) Like all this stuff. And then I just was like, all right, where's my power? Where's my power? I'm losing it. I lost it. Like, let me grab it, straighten my spine. What do I need to do to be the most badass beloved? Take my power back and rise the fuck up through this. Mm. And for me, it came down to like, I want a house. That was one thing that became so clear for me is that I want to invest. I want to be a property owner. Like I watched, I watched the way I watched the way that, you know, he just was like, yeah, let's buy this house. And it was just this nonchalant attitude. And I was like, that's destined for me. I want to have a nonchalant Mm. attitude about buying something. And the pieces fell in place so fast. I literally reached out to a real estate agent. She sent me a home. She was like, why don't we just like fill out the papers and just see what happens? Like very nonchalant. And I was like, Sure. Let's just fill out the papers, see what's ha- what's going to happen. It's very unlikely. My first house, I put an offer in with the first offer I'll get. I got it. First yeah. house, whatever offer I put in, he was like, yes. Like even saying it feels surreal. And, and then after that, like I got the best, the best loan deal. And those details I don't need to go over. But the important thing is there are things so many of us as women are not even like, we're not questioning. Could I buy a house? Um, do I want to like have a child on my own? Could I learn Bitcoin by myself without a man teaching me how to do it? Like, what are all the things that we're just, you know, not? And I think one of the gifts, this is going to sound a little edgy, maybe. Mm, one of the gifts I've received, <laughs> love edgy things. When I was living on that ayahuasca property, you met mm-hmm. the owner of the house probably. Which I accidentally sent you there, right? And then you, you yeah. 
ended up being in relationship with someone there. I can take responsibility for in your life is that. (laughs) That's funny. I mean, that changed a lot in my life, a huge trajectory there. But I remember the, um, the man who owned that particular house, I remember being, I had a car ride with him once and it was just an odd how he did business. It was like, he could just get anything manifested within one car ride. And then my former partner, older man, like just the way he handled things, Hey, I need this done by this time. You call this person, get this thing done. Call me back within 10 minutes, you know, and like, boom, 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 boom. And there was something kind of magical about watching the way that Mm. an older white man Mm. gets his shit done. I Mm. was, both these guys made a significant impact in my system of just like, even when it came down to what their prices were for things, there was no like, am I worth this amount? It wasn't that. It was, what number sounds good? I like this number, but I like nines and I like, and it didn't matter if it was like 79K for a year or 149K for a year. It only mattered how the number sounded. Was there was no worthiness? Am I worthy of that? Like in their that system, and wasn't a part of the, the of the decision. No, yeah, and like getting stuff done, there was all the pleasantries were cut out, so they got things done so much faster. Mm. And being in proximity to that attitude really opened my eyes of what would it be like if I sacrifice the parts of me that need to have all the pleasantries and like needed to have 15 steps just to get on a phone call with someone to make a request and just like cut right to it. And that helped me with like this house, you know, and then investing in things and like, what would it be like if I just took a risk and took my worthiness stuff out of it or the pleasantries and my identity as a, a woman who is this way and that way. Yeah. And that's, that's been a practice of just applying more of that, get it done. Like I get to get it done. I'm worthy of just getting it done Mm. or pricing things where I want them to be and watching others do that with that kind of attitude, the nonchalantness Mm. has significantly changed my business life and just my life of supporting myself. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting when you're talking about the two sides, because that's so, so real. And for me, it's been interesting that going into the clear, like, it's not a boss babe energy, because that immediately puts me in a state of like, power, and it's intense. And like, that's not what it is. Right. It's actually so much more relaxed, because I let go of all parts of me that needed to be like, um, Hi, my name's Madeline. I'm just calling because, you know, and like that side comes out of me, this really warm one. But if I can do things where I'm like, like I let myself be tired and, and make the call anyways that I need to make to like, mm. like finish, like sign the last paper that needs to be signed. You know, there's something about being, um, what's the, not, not, uh, like on camera, you know, that part of me is what exhausts me. It's the part of me that allows myself to get stuff done, kind of just like do the thing in a really relaxed state that actually is what my masculine feels like. It doesn't Mm. feel like this boss babe, powerful, I'm kicking butt. It actually feels like I'm in bed and I'm tired and I'm like (laughs) easily like just doing the things because there's no extra kind of edge that I'm trying to hold. I'm not trying to be a boss babe. I'm just being like that baseline version of me that happens to do stuff and doesn't have anything to prove 
I does that make that. sense? It does. What it feels like to me is that there's no um, kind of tightening in your system. Like when you have to, let's say, kind of push something into the world or get out there, that there's like a little bit of good tension, like a yoga pose, like a chair pose, (laughs) you know, where it's like, okay, I'm showing up to this. But that you're saying, no, that happens when I have to show up on camera or like do a certain thing. It requires a certain amount of that chair pose energy. Mm -hmm. But when I am getting things done, I can do that from a place of no tension in my body. There is no tension. The tension speaks to a struggle between two parts or two personas or a wound or a story. And so what you're saying, I think, is that there's no – there's no story battling inside of like, I should be doing something different or I'm not doing it right. Right. And that mm-hmm. is such a beautiful place to land within where you're, mm. this is, I'm just here. I'm fully worthy to call and be like, Hey, can you please send me these papers by Friday? Thank you. Boom. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. It, yeah, again, for people listening to this might be like, yeah, like just call and ask for the thing you need. But in my system, it was really, really, really hard. Like we're going through the, you know, I'm a bodybuilder who's also trying to be over-sexualized. And like, there's this tension between these two sides of myself my whole life. And it made everything a drag, like even launching, launching programs. And then I needed to create the forms and I needed to do this and I needed to call. And the the pile became so big because every step of what I needed to do meant I need to be I'm going to just use that phrase on camera. Like everything in my life needed to be. I even remember two years ago, I was in Kendra Kunov's, one of her little community calls. And I was asking her the question of like, I am stressed for every single thing that pops up on my calendar. Like every single thing I feel um, stressed that there's literally just, it's just a block of time that I need to be somewhere, but I feel trapped and I have to perform And like, I have to be on camera or like on edge or whatever. I need to be this persona of, you know, I forget exactly what she said, but in the end, it's kind of ironic that we, we landed on, why not think about my calendar as a call sheet? Because I already have somewhat of this edge of being a performer. Why not fully step into that? Like, it's my call time as the, as the show of Madeline. And like something about that also helped me of looking at my calendar and, and like stepping fully into that performance thing instead of the performance of, I got to show up for all these things in my life, feeling leaky and edgy and coming out sideways. Mm. Why not claim it and actually me be in the empowered position of I'm coming to my call time, Mm. like being the performance of Madeline. It made it fun. And by playing with that, like I'm an actress showing up for my calendar, it actually like muted all of the tension. Mm. That's why now like showing up to things don't feel like a performance at all because I fully stepped into the idea of being an actress showing up for her call times, which is just Mm. like a podcast or whatever. And now I've learned how to play with like everything in my calendar is just super easy because I played with that very specific thing. I'm so curious how different the Madeline is now showing up for her call time because you don't feel like you're on or performing right now. You feel so mm. natural and relaxed. Like there's not, not any of that present. And can you, could you feel the difference when, when you started, when things shifted or did they shift? Was it a shift? I think a lot. Yeah. A lot has shifted from 
um, that practice of, of like fully embracing all the energies and expressions and archetypes, but also having a house. I'm just going to say it. It's like having my own home has deeply rested my nervous system and created this container. I just get to like express mm. and roll around in and like my call time mm. is, is like in this thing that I own and it, it created a sense of groundedness that I haven't mm. felt like living in between my apartment and my partner's house and like going back and forth and like nervous system tending, nervous system mm-hmm. holding. My nervous system is it gets stressed out from life circumstances, but the energetics of my body being in this one place, that's not going to go away. And me holding myself in that way of providing this has honestly made a massive difference. And I'm not saying that people need to buy a house in order to have that, but to have a situation that's not going to completely like fly away. The minute your relationship is like on edge, as long as there's like, safety in the partnership where you have that kind of commitment to the nervous system of your home life, no matter what you create a nourishing home life. Mm. That feels like a big key now that I'm thinking about it. I feel that. I feel that too. And as you were talking, I was also kind of like, and maybe leaving New York and LA because maybe I'm projecting onto you, but (laughs) That's actually very, that's very accurate. Yeah. Both of those, I'm so glad I got to do it and I'm so glad I'm done with it. Is there anything that you're currently working on or sharing with the world? Obviously everyone, please go buy Madeline's book, Artist of Love and um, study it, play with it, have fun. I love that, you know, the invitation into play and creativity is so necessary, I think, right now for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, what else are you up to and where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me definitely on Instagram, Madeline Moon, and then my website, maddiemoon.com. And I've just released a, a six-month mastermind program called Innovatrix. It's for the woman mm-hmm. that wants to end the era of regurgitation and be a pioneer mm-hmm. in the era of innovation because that feels just like so deep in my soul. And that's part of what we were talking about, about we're just going to do what's easy for me. And that's expression and theatrics and innovation yeah. off of um, off of teachings we love and off of things that we experience in our life. How do we just make it more unique to ourselves? Mm. So that'll be starting in April and all of that's on my website. If anyone wants to read awesome. more. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing today. It's been so lovely to spend this time with you. Everyone, send this podcast to a friend. Enjoy it. Go find Madeline online and we'll see you again so soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. For more, 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 follow me on IG at Alexandra Roxo, and you can get on my mailing list where I send poems, practices, rituals, links to upcoming retreats and events, and all kinds of goodies. And if this podcast has touched your heart, please let us know. Please write us a review, give us a five-star rating, all that. It means a lot to myself and everyone involved. Big, big love, my darling. Have a fabulous day and see you again very soon.